The Big Picture, a Christian insight into the world of movies, television and pop culture with magazine editor Ben McKechn and scriptwriter Mark Hadley. A Bible Society Australia production, sharing the light of God's Word into every corner of your world. Ho, 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 I'm Ben McKechn. And I'm his adorable elf, Mark Hadley. <laughs> Welcome to episode 91 of The Big Picture for the week beginning December 26th. It's the end of the year, people. The last episode of The Big Picture. For 2016, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so just much, this year. much later in the show, <laughs> we're going to wish you a happy top five of Christmas crackers. Yes, the big Boxing Day movies for the whole family ahead. We've got Moana and Red Dog 2. And plenty, plenty more to come, Mark, on this Christmas Day night. It's not Christmas Eve. That was last night, wasn't it, Christmas Eve? Tonight's just Christmas night, right? It's Christmas night. Nice to see you, blokes. Out of all the things that I could be doing here, and welcome, Sam. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you very much. Out of all the things I could be doing on Christmas night, what better thing could I be doing than spending it with you? I agree. Rather than slipping into my usual food coma, (laughs) I'm, in fact, here enjoying your bright, festive faces. And where you got that cardigan, Sam, I will never know, but clearly... Someone loves you too much. It's a bit itchy. Well, it's a little bit itchy. <laughs> Sam, to, to, to somehow describe what you're wearing is very difficult to do, but you look like a one man Christmas tree Thank slash you. Christmas magic miracle happened all over your cardigan. It doesn't light up, but there is glitter all over it, and um, I don't know what even you it have is. It's an ugly Christmas sweater. And I love it. (laughs) Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas. I particularly like the shoulder pads, by the way. Very masculine. (laughs) There's there's actually only one shoulder pad. (laughs) Anyway, let's cut to the chase and find out what is coming out in cinemas because tomorrow's Boxing Day. Yeah, it's pretty much the biggest day on Australia's movie calendar. And we're going to be talking, as Mark said, about Moana and Red Dog 2, Red Dog True Blue, a bit later in the show. The other major choice for the whole family opening on Boxing Day is Sing, which is an animated musical about animals in a talent contest from the makers of Despicable Me and Minions. And you get a big vocal cast in this. Everyone from Matthew McConaughey to Reese Witherspoon, Scarlett Johansson and Parks and Recreation's Nick Offerman together for the first time in an animated musical called Sing. I reckon that's going to go pretty well at the box office. For the adults, there is, also coming out on Boxing Day, Brad Pitt, Marion Cotillard in World War II drama Allied. As in, is she an ally or is she an enemy? (gasps) Find out. On Boxing Day. And there's also Why Him, as in Why Him? question mark. It stars Breaking Bad's Brian Cranston versus James Franco, who's looking like he's playing some sort of son-in-law from hell. I think they're trying to tap into what Meet the Fockers did. As you, I'm sure you guys recall back in 2004, wow. when Meet the Fockers came out on Boxing Day, it smashed it. And it was the highest, uh, the highest grossing film in Australia. It beat The Incredibles. On Boxing Day. Which is kind of amazing, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's going for the same kind of parents-in-law fighting movie. Will it win on Boxing Day? Oh, so everybody's, Find got, out. everybody's got something to identify with at Christmas. <laughs> oh, my family gets on quite well. Thanks, thanks yes. for asking. Yes, well, Mark, I'm glad I did. Mark Hadley, there's not much on the TV other than cricket at the moment. Oh, Tell me there's something else to watch. Oh, contraire, my friend. There is the biggest television event of the year. I wonder if I can guess what this might possibly yes. relate to, but please. Yes, keep going. it is the Doctor Who <laughs> Christmas special. It is the it Doctor is Who Christmas us. special. Yes, Heads Up Whovians, the much-anticipated <laughs> special premiering tomorrow night. And what's this one about, Mark? Oh, well, you'd be interested to know. I'm not really, but I'm just asking <laughs> out of politeness. And it's Christmas Day and I'm full of cheer. It's Doctor Who, the return of Doctor Mysterio. <laughs> Is that, is that actually the title? Yeah. Where, where's he been? Or I guess we're going to find out. No. But, and what? People, Dr. Mysterio. 
<laughs> Peter Capaldi returns as the 12th Doctor with Justin Chatwin and Charity Wakefield in tow. However, they're not the real companions for this episode. The honour goes to Little Britain star Matt Lucas, who returns to the series as Nardole. <laughs> What? Why is everybody laughing? <laughs> okay, anyway, I'm going to go to the cinema. Um, you might remember he was introduced by a River Song. Yeah, in right. the last is there anything else on TV, Mark? <laughs> okay, Yacht fine. races tomorrow. Yacht, Yacht <laughs> yes, races. The cricket. You were saying the cricket. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there is. There's the Call to the Midwife Christmas special as well. I suppose you can watch. You that. had my wife Amy at Call the Midwife <laughs> okay. Christmas special. She 8, loves 8, Call the Midwife. Thirty-three p.m. tomorrow night. Festive cheer, plentiful as the popular reading itself of Christmas, and an unexpected surprise for a grieving mother who helps bring the Christmas magic home. Aww. Yada, yada, yada. Not a TARDIS in sight. All right, let's move on from Mark Hadley's favourite things to uh, <laughs> yours. Let me get some entertainment news. Yeah, there's been some news around that Penguin Bloom, which is a heartwarming, best selling book, an Australian novel that's set on City's Northern Beaches, is going to come to the screens. It's going to be produced by Naomi Watts, Australia's own Naomi Watts, and Reese Witherspoon, who will be seen or heard on screens on Boxing Day in Sing. But the two of them are getting together to bring Penguin Bloom to screens. Naomi Watts is going to star in this movie, book-turned-movie, which has got something to do with some family whose mum has a near-fatal accident and becomes paralysed. And then I think somehow a, a magpie chick gets to be involved and basically unlocks this woman's life and makes it a, a much better thing. And that's got something to do with a title called Penguin Bloom. As you can hear, I've never read the book, but I was just a little bit interested in it to discover that Naomi Watts and Reese Witherspoon were getting behind a project set on the northern beaches. And that will be filmed sometime in Australia next year. I think I'll read that just to make sure I'm ready for it. Actually, on the entertainment side of things for TV, 20th Century, actually not TV, 20th Century Fox has debuted the first trailer and poster for War for the Planet of the Apes. War for the Planet of the Apes? Now, this is actually... These titles for Planet of the Apes movies are pretty great. <laughs> I know. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting saying. for, I don't know, tidal wave that's approaching near the coast of Planet of the Apes. Like, can't wait for that it one. It will happen one day. Yeah, it will. It yeah. will. But War for the Planet of the Apes, you were War saying? War for the Planet of the Apes, as you may or may not know, as you guffaw through what is actually becoming one of the biggest you know, sci-fi trilogies of all time. It's, it's actually, a massive Simeon franchise. It's a for all of those Simeon franchises. Monkey movie to. magic. People going ape for it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sam, you win. Okay. It is a great franchise, all jokes aside. So yes. what's the trailer like? Well, Caesar and his apes are forced into a deadly conflict, no surprise, with an army of humans led by a ruthless colonel. After the apes suffer unimaginable losses, Caesar wrestles with the darker instincts that begin his own sort of mythic quest to avenge his kind. Basically, this is one of those films connecting the dots between how we get to Planet of the Apes. And it's going to be pretty exciting because I thought every time I see a Planet of the Apes film, I think to myself, how can you make me interested in a story that I already basically know? And yet they do it time and time again. So War for the Planet of the Apes coming out soon. Well worth the effort. Closely followed by Planet of the Apes goes bananas. Yes, enough <laughs> monkeying around. Let's get to our true or false of this week. Well, I feel that given that true or false should be addressing the well, not elephant in the room, the elephant in the Christmas tree. It is Christmas Day, so let me give you... <laughs> yeah, Christmas isn't really an elephant in the room, is it? Know, it's just I... the day that we're on. <laughs> okay. Yes. I was thinking... Yeah, I wasn't really thinking. No, no, that. you weren't. Anyway, true or false relates to Christmas. Let me give you one. When Aaron Spelling, the producer of Charlie's Angels, The Love Boat and 90210... <laughs> that guy. To, yeah, wanted to ensure his kids had the best Christmas possible, even though they lived in heatstroke LA, he a... Hired a 747 and circled the North Pole with the whole family for Christmas dinner. B. 
imported the North Pole by arranging for several tons of fake snow to be dumped on his house, or C, arranged for his living room to be refrigerated so they could skate around the family tree. This is another week on The Big Picture where I hope all of those are true. (laughs) (laughs) Aaron Spelling, well, you actually have to find out what Aaron Spelling did to make Christmas in LA nice for his kids. Well, we'll find out the answer after this. All right, well, there have been lots of films that tackle myths and magic for the festive season. Santa vs. the Martians is one of them. Uh, Corker. Corker. Absolutely. Classic. Never seen it. classic. (laughs) But for your What Your Kids Are Watching segment this week, we're going to another film that fits the mould. Moana is a musical extravaganza from Disney Animations that brings to life the legends of Pacific Islander people and turns it into fun for all the family. But Moana isn't one of those uh, be-or-you-can-be films. Rather, it's an opportunity to learn that being chosen is more important than being great. For generations, this peaceful island has been home to our family. But beyond our reef, a great danger is coming. Legend tells of a hero who will journey to find the demigod Maui. And together, they will save us all. So, Mark, this is a family film. And are we saying Moana or Moana? I am saying whatever you don't say. Okay, so I might go. And, and Sam said Moana. I'm happy with that. So, Moana is a family film, but Disney features, Disney feature films tend to divide themselves up into ones for boys and ones for girls. So, who's this one aimed at? Yeah, you would think actually initially that this is actually one for boys because one of the key characters is played by Dwayne Johnson. It's this this sort of demigod uh, guy called Maui who um, uh, is responsible for dragging islands out of the sea and doing all sorts of stuff. This is a mythical tale. And I should say right off the bat to parents, look, it is uh, like an animated um, imagining of Hawaiian sort of creation stories and things like that. I don't think there's any real strong religious push. I don't think that's actually a, a real religion to be worried about. But that said, um, yeah, you should know that they're It does feature quite prominently in the story. Yeah. And yet this is actually not ultimately a boy's film. This is a princess film. Uh, you know, Disney, oh, Disney makes... Princess films every couple of years. They do. And it's well aware of that. And Moana is the daughter of the chief. And it's even a joke that she doesn't like the title of princess, mm. but that's who she is. There's lots of songs that'll certainly give Frozen a run for its money. Something's going to take there. on Frozen. Oh, look, I, at the beginning of this, the distributor actually stood up the front and said, look, if you don't leave the cinema tapping your toe or humming one of these songs, and you know, you used to that sort of like hyperbole but I went out thinking there was about two or three songs running in my head they were great you know it's a really good musical thing so if you've got little girls in your house that love that sort of thing they'll definitely love this film and that's why on our soundtrack choice coming up a little bit later in the show we will be featuring one of the songs from Moana that you think is going to give Let It Go a run for its money before we get there so Moana as you just said like it's living in a world that's joined to the spirit world then in this Disney animated film that's right so the story is basically about uh, Moana saving her island nation and she has to go and find the demigod Maui to do that okay so it's based on the mythology of island nations like Hawaii and the Maoris of New Zealand but the world there uh, though it is um, spiritual is also very real and I actually find this kind of interesting because they live in a world where uh, the spiritual is not excluded from the real Okay. In fact, actually, some of the sillier people in the film turn out to be those who don't realise that the spiritual things actually exist. That they're around and you should take note of them. All right. Well, um, what about uh, this quest going on? Uh, that's nothing new from Disney. No, nothing uh, new. But 
I've got to ask about, you know, there's always this believe yourself mentality with with um, Disney films. Is that the case here? Yeah, it's kind of close. Moana has to sort of find some sort of conviction within herself and rise up and, and in the big moment make the choice that makes everybody happy in the end. But really, the, cho- the, the truth of this is that Moana's value is who she has been chosen to be. Not that she's actually fantastic in herself and just needs to realise that, which is really common for Disney, but more that she actually has to realise she has been chosen and that is where her significant li- significance lies. Now, again, we often talk about this as sort of a parents ourselves, thinking about what we talk to our kids about in films, and this is one of those helpful stepping stone films. You can actually talk about to your kids how we have been chosen, and that's where our real value lies. And this is an easy one. I took my six-year-old along to see this, and he got it without any problems whatsoever. So being chosen is what really makes us valuable in the Christian world, and it's something you can pick out of Moana. Moana is rated PG for some scenes that may scare young children. It stars Orly Cravalho. Am I pronouncing that correctly? As Orly Cravalho, Dwayne Johnson, and Rachel House. And it does open, as we've said several times, this show, Boxing Day, December 26th, tomorrow. Now, I take us back to true or false. Yes. I bet you're excited right now to find out what Aaron Spelling did in the that 80s TV god to give his kids an authentic winter Christmas in LA. Was it A, he hired a 747 and flew the family around the North Pole for Christmas dinner? Was it B, he arranged for several tons of fake snow to be dumped on the house? Or was it C, he refrigerated his living room so they could skate around the family Christmas tree? A, B, or C? C. C, B. Ref- be, so refrigerating and dumping snow. We've got one on each. Sam, you've clearly picked it. You're in the most Christmas spirit. Yes. It is dumping snow. He actually had a snow machine deliver tons of fake snow on their home in Beverly Hills so that Tori Spelling, she, knows she was actually a star of 90210, and her brother could have their very own winter wonderland. And the best part... I think of this story is that Tori loved the experience so much that she did it for her own children in 2009 at a mere cost of $2 million. (laughs) That's Christmas for you in LA. Wow. There you go. Coming up, more Christmas cheer. Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone in acclaimed musical La La Land. And we have found a soundtrack song that's going to be the brand new Let It Go. Welcome back to the Christmas version of the big picture. Christmas version. Christmas 2016. Thanks for being here. We're at Soundtrack, gentlemen. We're at Soundtrack Choice. Now, before the break, Mark reviewed a little Disney film that's going to be massive, I presume, when it opens on Boxing Day called Moana. Before the screening that Mark went to, when he saw that film, he was told the music and it would get everyone toe-tapping. And it did, including this little number. Could be the perfect daughter, but I come back to the water. No matter how hard I try, every turn I take, every trail I track, every path I make, every road leads back to the place I know where I cannot go, where I long to be. See the light where the sky meets the sea. Telling 
That's Alessia Cara, gentlemen, having a little bit of a giggle at the end of How Far I'll Go. Alessia Cara, Canadian singer who apparently just got big in the last couple of years or so, according to, thank you, Wikipedia, that I was looking at the other day. I've never heard of Alessia Cara, but now she might go through the roof, if she hasn't already, with How Far I'll Go, which I'm presuming is a deliberate echo slash ripoff of Let It Go. As in maybe people, maybe people, maybe people putting that song together thought, what made that song go big? The word "go" the word in go. the title. If I b- b- create another song that's got "go" at the end of the title, it'll go nuts. You know, you should probably stay away from music. <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. Uh, so this film, uh, sorry, this song is in the new movie Moana. Uh, for anyone who isn't an Alessia Cara fan, you might be interested to know. This might get you more interested in her. She started her own YouTube channel at 13, where she was doing mostly covers, and somehow in the space of what seems like only a couple of years for her she's now supporting Coldplay when they tour in Europe not bad thanks so how far will she go she seems to be doing alright at the moment Well, lads, the golden age of Hollywood it was marked by big sets big cast extravaganzas and even bigger musical numbers uh, like Singing in the Rain films like that uh, also High Society The King and I to name a few well this Boxing Day tomorrow will pay, play host to a new take on this old favourite Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone get their tap shoes on for the modern musical La La Land a tale that asks if there's anything more important than your dreams how are you going to be a revolutionary if you're such a traditionalist you're holding on to the past but jazz is about the future Yes, you are. Maybe I'm not. It's like a pipe dream. This is the dream. It's conflict and it's compromise. It's very, very exciting. From the moment this film opens with a big dance number in the middle of one of LA's infamous traffic jams, you pretty much know you're in for something different, <laughs> okay? It's kind of like, reminds me very much of when I took my sister uh, to see a Les Miserables and she's sitting next to me and the first opening song goes and she leans over and she says to me, are they going to sing the whole way through this? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, if you like Les Miserables, you're going to get a real kick out of La La Land because there's a lot more singing and dancing going on than you see in your average film. Actually, the distributors didn't want to say that this was a musical, but they really shouldn't hide from it. Weirdly, I think. How are they describing it? Well, they were trying to a film with music in it, <laughs> a film where a lot of people sing all the way through. When they talk, they sing. It's in fact a classic revision of the Hollywood musical. It's been expertly done, showing both the growing relationship between uh, Emma Stone, uh, who plays Mia, and Ryan Gosling, who plays this guy called Seb. Seb's this sort of down his luck jazz pianist who wants to open his own club. Mia's an actress waiting on tables while she waits for her big break. Uh, and it's very much a great Hollywood model re-envisioned for the you know present century, all set to music as the key couple dance the night away. It's pretty amazing to watch. All right, mate, but I think a big question in the minds of people when they hear about La La Land and Ryan Gosling starring in it is, can Ryan Gosling sing? That's a fantastic question. Yeah, it is. Let's talk what? about something else. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> oh, look, Was that an answer? Uh, look, Ryan Gosling can dance in a way that through me. Like, I watched him dance. I thought, wow, this guy could have had a career, you know, as a new Fred Astaire. He's singing. They play that back a bit. He's doing more of that sort of talking style singing. Oh, that's you know, how I like tone. to sing. Yes. That's all right. And he does it for about 30 seconds in one particular song. But look, I tell you what, um, Emma Stone can sing. 
Can't she? My goodness, has she got pipes on her. Yeah. And, you know, that's really good in the film. So I'm just amazed at what these actors bring out. Is it the search for success that's driving the plot of La La Land? You mentioned before it's about an aspiring actress and an aspiring musician. Are they just holding out for a big break, Sia, Seb and Mia? Is that what La La Land, the point of it is? Is that what driving the plot? On the surface, that's what the film looks like. The idea that basically, you know, here's two Hollywood hopefuls hoping to climb to the top of Tinseltown. Two Hollywood hopefuls played by big stars, big Ryan stars Gosling and Emma Stone, oh, but sure. Oh, but if sure. only we could be big. Yes. I you know? <laughs> wonder so, what that would be like. Yeah, but in fact, what actually um, starts to come out in the plot is more about how they live to encourage each other's dream. Okay, so, you know, there's this point when which Ryan, uh, sorry, where Mia criticises Seb when he settles for success and forgets about his club dream. And there's another moment where Seb makes it clear to her that he's not going to let her settle for just walking away when, in fact, the most important thing that brought her here in the first place was the dream that she had. So it's more... Uh, ultimately more about the encouragement they offer each other than it is about the, you know, to follow those dreams than it is about the dream or the success itself. Do they do it the classic Hollywood thing where they kind of make it all nice in the end and they go away happy? Yeah, look, the golden years of Hollywood was always about wrapping it up with a bow in the end, wasn't it? And about how you, you get the, the guy or you get the girl and you get the job and, you, and the big musical number starts. Um, and this is... Though it's a classic revision of the mould, so to speak, of that film, uh, it is actually a very 21st century ending. Now, I don't want to give anything away, but the interesting thing here, as you'll see, uh, is it's more about what you had to give away to get there rather than everything wrapping up in the end. Um, And I think that that's kind of a really interesting thing because in the end, life doesn't work out so well uh, for people who sort of feel that um, they're they're just going to um, uh, pursue love or those people who are just going to pursue sacrifice for the sake of somebody else. Life does not work out well. And yet at the end of the film, there's this real twist that occurs where we're trying to be convinced that that was actually a good thing in the end, to let love go, to let sacrifice go in favour of a dream. Uh, And I think that that is the moment in the film where the audiences are going to stumble because we just know, look, Christmas is the perfect time for knowing that this doesn't work, okay? If Jesus, you know, decided not to do a manger because honestly it wasn't just that good for him in the end, (laughs) we would would, uh, go, oh, okay, I can understand what you're doing there, Jesus, but no one actually would really, it's not what made Jesus great, okay? It's not what, what made that the story of all stories okay and yet so I feel in the end you come to the end of a fantastic film and you're being asked to buy a lesson which we will really stumble with that's the best I can do without giving away the storyline thank you for not giving away the storyline before we move on with the rest of the show very quick question for you will this appeal to people who don't like musicals there's lots of singing and dancing (laughs) okay look I feel um, I sat through it and thought to myself you know I really do enjoy this, even though I couldn't carry a tune to save my life. So, yeah, I think you can appreciate other things. La La Land stars Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, and also J.K. Simmons. Can J.K. Simmons dance and sing? Uh, He does a very interesting sidestep. Yeah. It's rated M for course language, and it opens, of course, on Boxing Day. Well, coming up on the big picture, will Red Dog True Blue be, wait for it, Top dog at the box oh, office. mate, you went for that. That's this, like a bonbon joke. That's you are it. a dad, aren't you? It is the day for it, isn't it? <laughs> yes. And also my top five. Yes, you're giving me the chance to do a top five. Ah, you're welcome, Sam. Christmas crackers, and I'm going to unwrap them soon. 
Welcome back to the big picture. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. Yes, <laughs> not yet. We're not done yet. No, no, no. A little no, while no, Just wishing people a good night. <laughs> Isn't that all right? In fact, we're coming Jeepers. to one of the great moments of the Christmas special, the big picture Christmas special. We're going to give some gifts. Oh. Gentlemen, I, I know this wasn't planned, but I, I thought to myself, look, how could I come to the last show of the year on Christmas night of all nights and not show my appreciation to you by giving you something that reflects the way I felt about the time I've had with you well, over it the last time. I planned, it, was, it was planned to the extent that I knew about it, so I brought gifts. But I've got Sam, nothing to give you guys, uh, mate. Uh, you give, pre- you give presence, the gifts of cheer. Your presence That's is not your presence fair. is present alone. Sam, you've joined us the last couple of months on the show. It's been fantastic. We couldn't possibly expect you then to give us gifts, but instead we have gifts for each other to exchange. Let's go for it. Let, let, let start, me begin. Mark. Let start. me begin as I, I drag out my Christmas bag. Okay. That is just a bag. It's, it's not even a Christmas a, stocking. It's, a it's just now. a plastic bag. Now, now, now. Okay. And have you not wrapped these gifts, Mark? Guys don't wrap. <laughs> well, this guy did. Well. And I'm the worst rapper I, in the world as official. As I said, You'll guys don't rap. Okay. Anyway, okay. Look, I just wanted... I should have taken the price tag off this too. <laughs> <laughs> you, okay. you, you actually I'm, are the worst gift giver I, around. I am not. Because I'm about <laughs> to point out that there is a moment... Even though I particularly loathed this film... I felt that it was important to recognise that other people might have liked it. Before so, before you give us the gift, can we guess what the film is that you're no, talking I about? Think, I think there are so many films away. across the year, the time of the big picture. Ben under Affleck. Sam, and I was thinking Ben Affleck. It has to be something to do with Ben Affleck is what I'm presuming. Maybe Batman vs Superman. Maybe the accountant. Is there an accountant action figure that you're going to give to us? It is not, in fact, either of those. It is the limited edition Hot Wheels Fast and the Furious cars. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Here you go, Sam. This is your own and Ford GT40 because I couldn't be bothered to buy you the real thing. It never fit in the studio anyway. I've got to anyway. say, uh, I love the price tag on it, but it's also it's a matchbox car. <laughs> how, it's how not a is real it? car. It, it's $4.99. I've given it a limited edition. I thought it might have even straight to 6 bucks, but no. $4.99. No, it might wait, have been wait, off wait. eBay. Who knows? I know you're just making fun of this because you're jealous. <laughs> okay. That's, I, that's exactly where I I'm coming from. I got one for you too, but more importantly, I got you from the only Fast and Furious film I actually liked, which is Tokyo Drift. Yes, I got you the little pink racing car. <laughs> The little pink racing car. And now I so, imagine that the two of you can actually, after the show, just spend a little bit of time together. Quality time now, playing cards. Now, should I take this out of the packet or should I save it for future I, and I sell think, it on eBay when it's worth more than $4.99? Uh, trust me, it will be worth much, much more if you save it for about 100 years. <laughs> I'm just going to open it and get my pink pink car out. Well, thank you very much, uh, Mark, for at least giving me a present from a movie that you kind of liked, whereas Sam, <laughs> you just gave me something from a movie you didn't like. And <laughs> Gentlemen, I brought you presents as well, and I even went to the trouble of wrapping them for wow. each of you. So let me pass them across to you do now. Do people still do that? They, they, they do, and I, I should point out, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I am the worst rapper in the world, so don't notice the technique that I've good. used. But instead, please open away. Open at will, gentlemen. Sam, Merry Sam, Christmas. Please. Do you want me to go first? Yes. Yeah. All right. I'm opening it up. Beautiful star. Wrapping paper as well. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, this I'm is, just a one-man Christmas cheer machine. It's a, one of those little um, pocket pop things. Keychain, a Back to the Future 2 Marty McFly keychain. Oh. Yeah. You know me so well. I know. <laughs> and, and also I remember how this year we talked a lot about Back to the Future and yeah, how it has yeah, a yeah. special commemorative year this year and that has something to do with hoverboards. You can carry me around in your pocket now, Sam, with a and Marty McFly keychain and just think of me. Well, it is and one of your favourite movies about ever. That it all. is nothing creepy about what I just said. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I mean, Merry Christmas. I love it. Thank you so much. Uh, you're welcome. I know it's not, it's not a pattern. 
latch on a five four ninety nine car from Fast and the Furious that Mark, that Mark hated, but you know Marty I tried. Mc, Marty McFly can ride that car. He's yes, on a he's hoverboard. What does he need a car for? He's on a hoverboard. Yeah, yeah. okay. Thank you. Mark, what did I what did I splurge for you? Meantime, over the other side of the studio, just opening this up, and I am looking and, at. Oh uh, my goodness! And what do you get, the hardcore Star Trek fan that has everything? Well. You got. I've got this one. No, I'm really happy. Do you? You're adding to my bobblehead collection, which is truly vast. Yeah. Um, and I've now got my own bobblehead Klingon. Yeah. You and, actually you know, have a, a Klingon. I was imagining you when you're uh, going to bed at night, and uh, instead of cushions out in your bed, I was picturing your bed as just littered with Star Trek figurines. And this can now join the pack, the Klingon that you can cling onto as you go to sleep <laughs> at night, thinking of me. This is one of the wonderful things about my marriage is that actually my <laughs> wife doesn't mind us having a queen size bed Star Trek quilt. <laughs> Um, and now that we've actually, because we've got a rather large bed head, I can now line up all my bobble figures just looking down on us, nodding their heads as we go off to sleep. That's not creepy at all either. Can I ask the question before we move on? Did you look for a Ben Affleck bobble head? Yes. <laughs> <you did. laughs> well, one of the biggest little surprise packages out of Australia in the last decade was 2011's Red Dog. And based on that true story, that nice little tale about a faithful outback dog became an instant hit with families, not just in Australia, but around the world, I believe. Well, this Boxing Day, the sequel, Red Dog True Blue, is here. But is it another top dog, or is it a bit of a mongrel? Not so long ago, a film about a legendary dog brought communities together. captured the spirit of Australia. This holiday season... What are you doing out here? <laughs> Let's go. Experience the beginning of the Red Dog legend. Right. You're red! I think we're going to be best mates. Right. About friendship. <laughs> Ready? Um. Family. And finding your home. Wherever that may be. So Sam just mentioned that Red Dog True Blue is a sequel, but it's actually more of a prequel to Red Dog. And as everyone knows, and as Sam rightly pointed out, Red Dog was inspired by a true story about a dog in the Pilbara and in the first film, how it kind of brought a community together. But in Red Dog True Blue, it presents another true story that apparently inspired Red Dog the movie, which is a little bit confusing, and I don't think I've ever seen a movie do this before. But in the first couple of minutes of Red Dog True Blue, you get an adult guy called Michael, played by the English actor Jason Isaacs, who I think is probably best known to audiences as Lucius Malfoy from mm. the Harry Potter series. Jason Isaacs with a ripper of an Australian accent playing Michael, goes to see Red Dog at cinemas in 2011 in Perth with his kids, and then after Afterwards, he tells his son a bedtime story about he was a how he was a young bloke in remote WA on his grandpa's farm, and he had a dog remarkably similar to Red Dog. It's kind of like Hollywood eating itself. <laughs> I know. Like I, I don't know whether to. I still don't know whether to be like inspired by that choice or perplexed and a little bit. What you couldn't think of a better storyline than that? It's interesting you say that because it's pretty un-Australian to not like Red Dog. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you'll be thrown out of any pub in the Pilbara if yes. you actually mentioned it. <laughs> Does this prequel deserve the same level of national pride? I don't think so. No. no. It, it, like, I, I think the first Red Dog was uh, 
it made sense to me that that was a big hit at cinemas. It was it was such a, a nice film. It it tapped in well, I think, in a similar way that the castle did into the ochre Australianness of us, where we can laugh at how broad we are, how we can kind of be a caricature of ourselves, but still want to embrace that. This one, on the other hand, just felt a little bit like a, a reheat that just didn't reclaim the magic. And effectively, you're getting the same story over, which plenty of prequels and sequels do anyway. That's not necessarily a criticism, just because you can't come up with a new storyline. But the idea of inventing kind of another true story on top of a true story to make up a sequel that seems really inspired just... It just came along just because they made a lot of money in the first one. The longer the film goes along and you get young Michael going about his life on his grandpa's farm and it involves everything from uh, indigenous uh, blokes working on the property and their dream time and spirituality to other young love things and, you know, hanging out with his dog. That kind of story doesn't really go anywhere the longer Red Dog True Blue, Red Dog True Blue hmm. plays out. Eh. What's the dog like? Yeah, the dog's pretty good. The dog's good. Like, like that first dog, was it Coco? I think Coco was the, the actor dog. Oh, so it's not the... Su- oh, okay. No. no, no, this is Phoenix. The first one died. Three-year-old. Oh, yeah. oh gosh. Yeah. So no, down no, for Christmas? We yeah. won't bring that up. No, no Coco, kids. No Coco. Just three-year-old Kelpie Phoenix. Phoenix does a pretty bang-up job. But the the, uh, the if, actors, the human actors... Can I just stop actors? for a second yes. and say, if there are any children listening to the show, Coco went to heaven... <laughs> okay. Let's move on back to Phoenix. <laughs> Phoenix does a bang up job. It's from the same director, Crib Stenders, who did the first film. He knows how to handle dogs and, and kids up on screen. Levi Miller is playing young Michael uh, running around at Grandpa's farm. Grandpa is Brian Brown, of course, in this film. The, the, the adult actors do well in this, but the whole thing I just thought lacked a bit of spark and a little bit of magic, a little bit of energy. And also, as the storyline goes along, it doesn't really go anywhere, doesn't build to that same emotional crescendo that the first film did and when it gets to that bit in a movie as it always does where you've got to make a choice or something's got to happen to kind of separate the people at the heart of it it doesn't wrench your heartstrings like Red Dog the first one did uh, you mentioned before that there's Dreamtime legend part yeah, of, yeah kind you know, of floating through floating Red Dog through True the Blue. Film. do you think it's going to turn off families Oh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, it actually gets a, a fair mention in this. Some of that feels a little bit like people writing back, writing in a script, trying to write back into a previous time, things that are going on now. Mm. So there's even mentions of mining going on. This is set in kind of the 60s, 70s, but there's a few things mentioned about mining and about Aboriginal Dreamtime spirituality here that I think just seems injected because people are interested in that now, maybe maybe more than what was going on at the time. But the spirituality aspect, similar to, to Moana that Mark was talking about at the start of the show, it's it's in here as treated seriously and and also in a similar way it comes to the fore as in it's it invades the real life of people on this farm and in this area to a huge degree where there's even a, a kind of cl- a climactic fire that happens in this film and that's even linked to aboriginal spirituality so an interesting thing i found as a viewer and i think that a lot of families will find when they go into the cinema to see this on boxing day because loads of people are going to go see red dog true blue it's just how seriously spirituality is taken and not just by the people that believe in it but by the people that are around them and it's uh, interesting to think about particularly if you're a christian how does your christian spirituality how does your understanding of the world and what goes on under the surface and around us not just you know out in the open how does that inform how you live and the seriousness that this Aboriginal spirituality is taken in Red Dog True Blue. I thought, that wouldn't that be great if Christians were taken as seriously about the spirituality they believe and practice and people could be as interested in it as what they seem in Red Dog True Blue, which is one of the most interesting things about that movie because otherwise I was a little bit 
disappointed, gentlemen. Mm. I think a lot of families and audience, like broader audiences, will be as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, Red Dog, True Blue stars Levi Miller and Jason Isaacs, Brian Brown and Hannah Mangan Lawrence are also. Uh, Phoenix. Yeah, you know, Phoenix the dog. And it opens on Boxing Day and is rated PG for mild themes and coarse language. All right, well, coming up on The Big Picture, to finish our final show of the year, I have a very special gift to you. Yes. The top five Christmas movies that tell you something about Christmas. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the true meaning of Christmas as well. Are you gathered around your Christmas tree? Do you have the Baker Light radio on? Are you listening to the Christmas edition of The Big Picture? Well, this year we've been blessed by the many insights into popular culture afforded by the Bible Society's CEO, Greg Clark. So it only seemed fitting on December 25th to have him weigh in one last time and tell us what the Bible has to say about celebrating Christmas. I do love the excuse to enjoy sparkling burgundy at Christmas. I know people have different views on drinking alcohol, but for me it's a delicious kids drink for adults and it suits the sense of festivity that Christmas should bring us. If I could find a Melchizedek of it, I'd be delighted. What's that you say? Come again? Have the bubbles gone to your head? No, that's the name for a rare, thankfully rare, 30-litre bottle of wine. It's called a Melchizedek. When your bottles get bigger than a magnum, which is a term most people know, the larger sizes are described using the names of kings from the Old Testament part of the Bible. You've got a Rehoboam, a Jeroboam, a Methuselah, and a Shalmanazar, and as the bottles grow, the names seem to get harder to pronounce. Balthazar, Nebuchadnezzar, and Melchizedek. There's a Goliath in there too. Well, how did this come to be? No one really knows, but there are some agreeable guesses going around. For example, the six-litre Methuselah might have been given the name because it could age for a very long time in the bottle, just like the venerable old man of the Bible, who's said to have lived to 969 years old. Well, this is just another example of how the rich and complex stories of the Bible have seeped into our culture, running through our veins like the wines we're talking about, even when people don't know anything about the characters or the stories to which they're referring. And Christmas is always a bit like this in Australia. People who have never attended church find themselves singing things like, With the angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. A somewhat weird thing to do were it not for the Bible being in our veins. They are also caught caroling about Emmanuel, the desire of nations, the son of righteousness, all different images from the carols for Jesus himself. But if you're not a Bible reader, they sound like a completely foreign language these days. And families will be assembling toy donkeys, camels, wise-looking men wearing robes on their mantelpieces at home, having some vague idea that this is about religion, but knowing nothing about the nativity accounts recorded in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. Well, I like the way Christianity lingers in the December experience for every Australian. I'd be really sad to see it go. But I do know that it's only on the periphery for many people, in the name of a wine bottle or a display of animals and a baby on a lounge room shelf. It would be so much more satisfying if the deeper meaning of Christmas could surface along with the residual biblical traces. By that I mean facing the idea that God became human in the person of Jesus with all of its profound implications. How about singing Veiled in Flesh, the Godhead See and really being struck by what is being claimed here. Jesus is a God we can see. Well, that's when Christmas lifts to a new level and that's a better reason than any I can think of to crack open a Methuselah and give thanks with friends and family this Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone.
There are so many things, gentlemen, that I've enjoyed about this particular Christmas day. Everything from getting to celebrate Jesus' birth again to getting to spend time with friends and family throughout the day, which I hope plenty of other people got to do as well. But <laughs> And then coming in here. <laughs> that wasn't even a, that wasn't the fun. I wasn't no. sure what you were saying. No, friends no, and family. Hey, hey, hey. And now. <laughs> and, and now, arguably, this is the highlight of the day because... Sam, as our big picture gift for you to 2016, we, I was going to say, we, we gifted you the top five, which basically means Mark and I don't have to think about a top five for this week. Instead, we've given you the present of doing oh. that. And you, for the first time ever in big picture history, this Christmas day, 2016, you are going to give us Sam's top five Christmas movies that tell us something about Christmas. All right. Now, there's a whole lot of movies. That I, I love Christmas movies. I should start by saying that. And You're a guy who's in a bold red sweater that's I so am. ugly and full of Christmas stuff. And I'm you can sweating tell. under this. You can yeah, tell you love you Christmas now. movies, Sam. That's it. And so there's a whole lot of Christmas movies I wanted to have on this list, but they don't really teach me a lot about Christmas. Batman Returns. That was a Christmas? That was a Christmas oh, set yeah. film, oh, yeah. yeah. Christmas with the Cranks, which is kind of a guilty pleasure for me. Yeah. They couldn't make the top five. Oh, surprise. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Good, Sam. I'm glad you got that, that not were, on the list. That there were five other films oh, no. that might have <laughs> they, been better than Christmas That might have been awkward cranks. when you got to your list yeah. and you picked Christmas with the Cranks. So if you, if you like watching Christmas films, maybe this might give you a few to watch. Even tomorrow, it's okay to watch them on Boxing Day. It's okay. Christmas films that remind us something about Christmas. So shall we get started? Mm-hmm. Here's number five. Five. Take it back to 1993 to oh. Tim Burton's written and produced film, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, ah, Sam, that's nice. an interesting choice for yeah, our first, first off the, off the <laughs> bat. That, that's a good one. I actually think it's like, you know, that's people, many people might not actually be aware of that as a film. Yeah, and I Sam, think it's really worth dragging out. It of the is vault. on Netflix if you want to catch up on it and you've never seen it before, but it's a bit of a cult classic. It gets released in America every year as a 3D film at Christmas time, so people can catch it. If you've never seen it before, it's a claymation. It was quite groundbreaking at the time, as I said, written and produced by uh, Tim Burton. Uh, it's a film that sees this uh, skeleton. His name is Jack Skellington, and he's the, the king of ha- Halloween Town, and he d- gets a bit bored with Halloween, celebrating Halloween every day, decides to go to a different holiday, por- th- through this portal to a different holiday town, goes to Christmas Town, and just delights in what he sees. Uh, he rejoices about it. He goes back to Halloween Town, and he's just singing about it, shouting about it. He loves the Christmas cheer. But the problem is, he doesn't quite understand what Christmas is all about. So he goes back and he brings Christmas to Halloween Town, but things don't quite work out how they should. And are you suggesting, Sam, that this is a good film for the whole family to gather around well, on a Christmas day or, no, say, at this time of night? It is quite frightening. It's rated G, which is really nightmare does surprise Christmas. me that it's still rated G. But mm. it is not a great family film. But what I think it teaches us about Christmas is that we can get distracted from what the true meaning is and not really understand it in our shopping, as I'm sure, you know, preparing a meal today that might have been new. And I think we can lose the focus of what Christmas is all about. So if we don't really understand Christmas like we just heard from Greg Clark, then then maybe we just don't quite celebrate it how, the way we should. So that's number five, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Four. Number four on the list, another unconventional choice from 1988, Die Hard. Oh, oh Sam. That's not unconventional. And why is it at number four? Well, <laughs> that's, that's, mate, that's a great that's, choice. That's, <laughs> I would say that you know, this, if you can't spend Christmas with your loved ones, then spending it cooped up in a tower with terrorists is not a really good option. <laughs> no, it's not high on the list. No, no. Actually, yeah. Well, that's true. If you've never seen Die Hard, it's a shame, really, because it spawned five films, but the first is, in in my opinion, the best. Mate, it's, it is the best. That's a fact. It is mm. Christmas yep. Eve in Los Angeles, and a Christmas party has been taken hostage 
by uh, Hans Gruber and his uh, henchmen. And uh, the amazing thing I love about this film is that um, John McClane is this lone saviour who has to come in and rescue the people from this uh, from this building. And he, it's a great film. Action flicks don't get much better than this. No, it's um, a benchmark film. But I think as far as Christmas goes, it reminds us of a bit of Jesus. He is this lone saviour who comes into this world, our world being the building, the, the Nakam... What is the, the tower? Nakatomi Center? Nakatomi Tower. Nakatomi yeah. Tower. Yeah. Comes in, rescues them and frees these people who have been taken captive. And it's a bit like us, I guess, what Jesus does for us at Christmas time. Yeah, wow. actually, you just drew a link between no, Bruce Willis' nice John McClane and Jesus' saviour nice figure. Because one of the big things about um, John McClane's character is that he's completely unappreciated what he's doing and most people feel like it's not a great thing I reckon that's a great parallel with Jesus excellent three this is my favourite film growing up as a kid can you guess what it might be 1990 it's yeah. wonderful life oh, Santa no, versus no. the Martians no Home oh, Alone Home Alone oh. yeah. who doesn't love Home Alone the original of course that is oh. a great great movie um, Kevin McAllister this kid left home at Christmas when his parents go with a, a whole lot of the extended family to Paris gets left behind and has to, you know, defend his house against. And somehow these that crops. becomes a comedy. <laughs> That's kind of yeah. Home, home invasion, home invasion with comedy. laughter. And <laughs> it was really, it's really funny. It is. It's a really funny film, a classic that I love to pull out around Christmas time uh, because obviously uh, the booby traps are great. Seeing this kid, and I think any kid around that age, which I was, uh, can really relate to that. Being scared at home, but but you know, being the kid, king of the house is pretty cool. Indeed. Did you actually assault anybody with a bowling ball? No, I was and never. Laugh. No, I was never clever enough to do, do that. You? And my parents were responsible as well. So I think they, <laughs> those two things. <laughs> but Glad I think, you put it that out, But Sam. what this reminds me of Christmas is there's a few things, obviously. If you see the first scenes in, in the house where there's this extended family, it is pretty chaotic. No room left in the inn, you might say. Oh, okay, uh, there's uh, that uh, link. Uh-huh. But also there's this great <laughs> scene towards the end where this old man, what's his name? Old man Marley, who's this kind of crazy neighbour who ends up not being that. Uh, there's this scene where Kevin and him sit down at a church and, and I think for Kevin, this is his, his solace. It's his place of refuge where he finds comfort. And, and Old Man Marley says to him, everyone is welcome at church. And I think that that reminds us at Christmas time, not just that we're welcome in a church, but Jesus makes sure that we're never alone and we follow him. And he welcomes us into his family where we, we feel that comfort. So I think that is a fitting number three. Two. Number two on the list. We're getting a bit out there. 1984. Gremlins. <laughs> That's a Christmas set. Yeah, it yeah, is set at Christmas. Yeah, it is set at Christmas time. This is a great list, Sam. I know it's a great gift of. Uh, I love eighties films. I think it's probably uh, That's <laughs> what's clearly yeah. come out of this. Yeah, um, but you know, there's these gifts called the Mogwai. These little uh, creatures that you can get as a pet, and there's three rules for them. You can't expose them to bright lights or sunlight because they'll die. Uh, you can't get them wet because they'll multiply and you can't feed them after midnight. But if you follow these three rules fine, they won't turn into these uh, horrible monsters that will just destroy and cause havoc. And it's pretty a dark film. Yeah. It's a Christmas film. It's, yep. it's got some comedy to it, but it is quite scary. I don't recommend it for kids <laughs> at all. Um, but what I think it does remind us about Christmas is that it's about this gift that needs to be followed right. And I mean... I guess for us, God gives us Jesus as a gift. Yes. And not as though there's terms, conditions, but if we follow with faith, then, you know, we've got so much blessing out of that and eternal life. So it's a gift at Christmas time. We've celebrated that today in Jesus, but uh, I guess we need to we need to accept that gift in the right way for it to uh, take effect for And us. that's only at number two, Sam. That is only at number two. Let's go to... One. It is a more recent Christmas film. 2003, Will Ferrell. 
in Elf. Elf. Yes. Elf at number one. I know. I, I actually rewatched this recently thinking through this top five and I was surprised that I'd forgotten this film is about well, Buddy the Elf, who is adopted as a child, he's a human, by Santa and elves, is raised by elves kind of lives as an elf and he decides to, as an adult, go to New York City to find his father, who he's never really connected with. And so this is really a a bit of a reconciliation film between a son Mm. and his father. Mm. And I think it's easy to forget that in all the comedy and the slapstick, which is so good in this film. That's exactly what's going on here. Buddy finds his dad. It's not a great relationship, but by the end of the film, they are reunited. And I think that's for us as two. We, as humans, are separated from God by our sin, but he welcomes us back with open arms even though I guess the father in this film doesn't quite do that. Uh, But that's a great top choice for me at number one. And also, there's a whole lot of Christmas cheer, which we shouldn't forget about. I'm not an elf, Sam. I I, I can't do anything right. Buddy, you're more of an elf than anyone I ever met. And the only one who I would want working on my sleigh tonight. Really? Really? Will you fix it for me, buddy? I'll try. Papa taught me how. You gotta find it first. You dropped off the sleigh back over there a ways. The engine. The engine. Go, buddy. Go, Mr. Elf. There you go. That's my top five Christmas films that remind us about Christmas. But we are at the end of our Christmas show. Aww. But coming up on the big picture, we're taking a four-week break. We're not back till January 29. No, we're back for 2017, returning with all sorts of insights into film and TV from a Christian perspective so you can see the big picture when it comes to pop culture. It's been an absolute pleasure, everyone, from all the team, including our dedicated producer, Maya Hadley, and our tireless cameraman and editor, Bryce McClellan, and all the crew at Hope 103.2 FM who make it possible. We wish you a happy Christmas and... And a blessed new year. And in the new year, I will be Ben McKechnie. And I still will be Mark Hadley. See you then. The Big Picture is a Bible Society Australia production. Sharing the light of God's Word into every corner of your world. 